All right, everyone, welcome back into another live edition of the Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Network that is powered by our friends over at Prize Picks. It is Brian Hines from Pat's Pulpit back with Alex Barth from 98.5 The Sports Hub, and we are here to kind of recap and break down the NFL scouting combine that has gone down the past week down there in, in or over there in Indianapolis, not down there, but uh, this is kind of the event that really kicks off the offseason, I'd say, and, and gets things going, obviously with the draft, with all these workouts, but you have all these coaches, you have all these NFL executives there and you get some rumblings about free agency and and some trade values and we got a bunch of patriots news and and nuggets from that week obviously a bunch of stuff about the quarterbacks it seems like they really kind of liked all top three guys drake may caleb williams Jaden daniels Uh, we got some news about some trade values maybe with mac jones some someone else who might be on the block and, and Devontae parker so Big week, lot to break down, but this is you know a, a big event every year that that really kind of kickstarts the offseason here with free agency about ten days away. So uh, a lot to talk about and a lot to get into here from a Patriots perspective. So I mean, you were there, you were boots on the ground. What was it like, and what'd you pick up? <clears throat> yeah, it was very different than what you expect, right? I feel like you watch it on TV every year, and it's all just about these workouts and, and you know the numbers and the relative athletic scores, and that's a big part of it. But when you're there, it's it's really like this big, just kind of social event and social gathering because you're you know you're walking around and you walk by, oh, there's Nick Casario or or there's someone else. So you know it, it's really kind of different than what you expect and a different kind of it's more of like a social event it's, it's we were comparing it like you're back at college you're just going around meeting all these people introducing yourself so uh it was a very fun week very tiring week but i mean i think the big kind of scuttlebutt around indianapolis is they really like all three of these quarterbacks which you know the herald also doug and andrew kind of confirmed that in you know an article this week but that seemed like kind of the the news around Indy was, you know, the Pats like a quarterback and they view all three of these guys as a potential option for the number three overall pick, which is big because again, you know, they're at three. So it's going to be whichever one falls to them. And if they like all three of these guys, then uh, it seems like they're comfortable taking whichever one falls to them at that spot. Right. It basically removes that whole qualifier of assuming they like the guy that's there because we now we don't need to assume that right we now know based on at least based on this reporting that they're comfortable with all of them and that doesn't mean they don't have a preference right so uh the athletic had a report to the patriots new grading scale is grading players on 5.0 to 9.0 right so if they have and i don't know exactly how much the scale differs but like as hypothetical if they have drake may is an 8.5 and jane daniels an 8.6 jane daniels goes second like, all right, you didn't get the guy you had. You had a little higher, but you're not going to panic, right? And I think that's where they're at. So that doesn't walk them into a quarterback. They may like all three of those guys, but they may like Harrison Moore. They may get an offer they can't refuse to move down. It doesn't guarantee a quarterback, but it does take that whole, well, what happens if they're on the board and they don't like the quarterback? It doesn't sound like that's going to be an issue. So now it just comes down to how do they want to start the rebuild? Do they want to start it with a quarterback first? They want to start with wide receiver. Do they want to start it with a tackle or do they want to start it by accumulating picks and moving down? That becomes the question. The individual players, as it pertains to that question are almost out of it. 
unless we end up in some weird scenario where Marvin Harrison Jr. goes second and they really feel like a receiver is the best move. And now it's, do you move down for Roma Dunze or um, uh, Malik neighbors? The individual players kind of don't matter at this point. They do. And they do like, I'm not saying they don't matter, but the question basically becomes, all right, you like all these guys. What position do you want to start the rebuild with? I would say quarterback. I think based on Elliot Wolf's comments earlier this week, it's quarterback, the way he talked about the value of first-round quarterbacks. But this is the game we're going to play, essentially, for the next two months, is where does this rebuild start? What position does it start at? And then from there, it's just kind of by default. We know who the receiver is going to be. We know who the tackle is going to be. It's just which quarterback falls or do they trade down? Yep. And the top three all confirmed they met formally with the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, this and week. Harrison and all, too. So they've all – all the – all the people in play have met with the Patriots. Yep. And then some of the, you know, maybe later first round or day two quarterback options they met with, you know, JJ McCarthy and Bo Nix as well. They did not meet with Michael Penix. I don't, did you read into that at all? Or do you think they, you know, so, they kind of met him at the, the senior bowl. They have Tyler Hughes on the staff who just worked very closely with Penix at Washington last year. So maybe they, you know, don't need to, burn one of these formal interviews at the combine this week with him and, and, you know, could see him down the line if they really want to. So here's what I'd say. You can feel about that however you want, because if you want to sit there and say they met with all five and not Penix, they clearly don't like them. It's a very valid take, but if you want to use historical context, the Patriots drafted what seven, eight guys last year, I think, or no, it was like 10, right? Yeah. They met with two of them. And that's a history under Belichick. They rarely, rarely, rarely met with the guys they ended up drafting. And when they did, sometimes we didn't find out about the meetings till after the draft. So if you want to call it a smoke screen, you may not be wrong. I, I, it, you read anyway, it's glass. It's uh, the, the, the dress, right? Is it black and blue or white and gold? Whatever you see, you're, there's a chance you're right. I, I, I'm not going to overly read into it because there's a, you could argue it goes either way. I think if they, didn't meet with like if they'd met with five of the six, but the odd one out was Drake May or Jaden Daniels, that becomes a very different story. But with Penix, they may think that there's no shot they take him. He just doesn't fit in their cards and you know, why waste the time? Or maybe they don't want people to know how much they like Michael Penix. Could you you could argue either one and I believe you. Yep. So anything, you know, from the big three, Williams, Daniels, and May that you know, they, they, again, they spoke to the media. They confirmed they met with the Patriots. Did you take away anything from those guys' uh, availability? I know, like, there's a lot of you know, character concerns with a guy like, you know, Caleb Williams, and, and the Pats keep talking about leadership and toughness at the position. So anything, like, glaring from those guys is kind of media availability that, that you took out that you think might impact the Patriots one way or another? Not a ton. Not really. Uh, I, I The one interesting thing in that regard kind of related is Jaden Daniels not weighing in. I, I I'm, I'm not going to not draft him because of that. Like, let's see where he weighs. Let, let's see what he does at the, at, at his pro day. And then, you know, if he comes in under at the pro day, all right. So then he was going to be under at the combine anyway. If he comes in in shape in the pro day, it's like, all right. So he kind of packed on weight there at the end. I, I mean, yeah, he kind of gamed the system a little bit, but he weighs what he needs to weigh. And we'll see if he shows up at, 220 and he's all rocked up and great. If he shows up at 220, he's got a beer belly, then you're concerned, a little concerned about it. So that was the one thing that kind of gave, it gave me pause. I, again, I'm not out on him, 
But uh, I just look at it and I'm like, all right, that was weird. You better back it up. You better come back it up at the pro day. That's that's the one thing I I, I guess I would relay from the non on field stuff from the top three quarterbacks. Yep, and I mean you could just note JJ McCarthy weighed in and he was up to two nineteen, which I mean it was probably hundred fifty percent water, but uh, yeah, he didn't, he, run, he, he he didn't run the forty. Water, then, he's he was covered in rich eyes and saliva. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rich Rich was having a good time with JJ McCarthy. Yeah, uh, in that booth, but yeah, that seems like kind of the main thing leaving Indianapolis there is they like all three quarterbacks uh, a lot and if they all have them ranked pretty similarly on the board then you know it's going to be whoever is left for them uh at three there it, it was also you know interesting it really feels like uh the vibe around the commanders are still pretty split uh, on drake may and Jaden Daniels, I think it's just like a matter of who you ask, who has Drake May too, who has Jaden Daniels too. So that'll be interesting to see how that that one kind of unfolds. Obviously, that's big with them sitting at that that number two pick. But as they you know go to these top thirty and private private visits and workouts now, uh, if one of those guys kind of separates themselves for the Commanders at two, and that will obviously impact the Patriots uh, at, at three. But we also mentioned briefly in the beginning there, we got some Mac Jones trade rumors. Obviously, if they're looking at these quarterbacks at the top of the draft, you'd assume they're going to move on from Mac Jones. And it was the Herald that I think, what they say, a, a fifth-round pick seems about right. Maybe there are some yeah. evaluators who thought it could be a, a sixth-round pick. So right around what we kind of projected, I think in our mock draft we did last week, we got a fifth and future six. So right about that range for, for Mac Jones, but uh, you, you'd assume again, if, if they take a quarterback up top that, that, that he's going to be elsewhere next season. Here's what my question is with Mac. And this is like a philosophical thing. I don't think there's a right answer. Let's say the price is a fifth. Would you rather trade? Let's say it's a sixth. I just did kind of a Olay mock draft, assuming they get Baker, which isn't going to happen, but, and I traded him for literally the first pick in the sixth round. I, sp I split the difference to Minnesota. Would you rather, or we'll call it a fifth. Would you rather trade Mac Jones for a fifth or Mac Jones in a fifth for a fourth? Would mm. you rather add the pick or move up? I think I'd rather pick swap. I, I think you want to maximize your value on that one. I, you know, or if you could even do Mac Jones in a sixth for a fourth, maybe a low fourth. It's, I don't know. I keep thinking about this question. It's kind of like minutia and, you know, really in-depth nerdy. Mm. That's what we do on this show. I think I'd pick, and you're probably going to have to pick swap Devontae Parker to trade him. I would. That's going to be Devontae Parker and a seventh for a sixth. So that's absolutely what that's going to be. With would you also pick swap Mac Jones? I would get me if you can get back in around the top 150. I think I would do that. Yeah, it's tough because I keep going back to like they only have seven picks, right? So you feel like you want to add as many as possible, but yeah, when you're in those kind of later rounds, maybe you feel the value to you know, just accelerate one of those later round picks and move it up into the top 150 or in that range to go get a guy. So that'll, that'll be kind of interesting. But you mentioned Minnesota. I think that's an, kind of an obvious fit there. They have a ton of those those late day three picks. So uh, I look we'll, at three we'll teams, Minnesota, the Rams, and the Saints. I think those are the yep. three teams you look at that would make a lot of sense for Mac Jones. 49ers? I don't think they're going to because I don't think they want the circus and I, I that's not necessarily about mac that's not a call of mac a circus that's 
if they trade for Mac Jones, the narrative instantly becomes that Brock Purdy's jobs in jeopardy. Yeah. And if you want to go that route, or if you're, if you're the Niners, you know, okay, going that route, I would draft like Spencer Rattler late day two, early day three. If you're going to have to deal with that anyway, get your money's worth for it. With Mac being in the last year of his contract, you're going to bring him back. You're going to pay him. Like you may trade for him, have him around all year, kind of, aggravating Brock. He becomes Bailey Zappi to Brock Purdy kind of. And then, and then what he leaves or you have to pay him. So it makes like, it, it all makes sense schematically. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. And look, Kyle Shanahan, this is the kind of stupid thing Kyle Shanahan would do. He did it with, with, he did it to Trey Lance with Brock Purdy. So we know it can happen, but I just, I think if you're the Niners, you have to learn from your mistake. And if you're that unsure in Brock Purdy draft a guy, and if you're not, you don't need, you're not going to trade for Mac Jones. You don't need Mac Jones. I, I'd like to see it. It would be very interesting. I, I just, I think it would be a bad situation for everybody involved off the field for Mac Jones to go to the Niners. <clears throat> yeah. Especially because, you know, the connections with Shanahan back in that draft that he wanted him so bad, that will definitely become kind of a circus that, oh, Shanahan finally got Mac Jones and, Brock Purdy needs an extension in a year. Like, how's that going to work? So that that would be kind of a, a weird dynamic there. But uh, you mentioned Parker too briefly. That's probably a pick swap, as you said. They will assume trying to get his contract uh, off the books, and we'll get into the receivers lately or later in this draft class. But just an absolute loaded loaded group of talent there. So you assume they were going to try to get off of you know Parker or Juju or you know, maybe both either of those contracts. So it looks like that may be Parker. Uh, would you assume Parker has more trade value? I mean, it's going to be a late pick swap, as you said, but would he have more trade value with his contract and, you know, his play than Juju at this point anyway? Uh, I, I think it's just the, I think it's just the, the contract, the, 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 the level of play is the same. The injury thing with Juju, I think is also going to make him very tough to trade that we don't really know where his knees at and, Sorry, I'm trying to pull up the contracts, but that's why I think you can't trade Juju more than anything else. I think is his knee. Parker is, I mean, whatever team takes him on is not going to take on a ton of money and he has no yeah. guaranteed money next year. So it's basically just for this year. Juju, you're looking at guaranteed money. Oh no, Juju's also only guaranteed money this year. But I think with his knee, it, it makes it a really hard sell. Yep. So they're going to have to eat money, but I mean, that's part of, uh, that's an option when you have a hundred million dollars in cap space, right? You can get out of some of these these bad contracts and use that to your advantage. So uh, we can also, you know, briefly say they did cut J.C. Jackson uh, on when or Friday, Thursday. I don't know. All the days are blending together for right. me at, at, at this it's point. But yeah, uh, so they're up to like a hundred million dollars in salary cap space. They have a ton of money. I don't know. Did you? Think because Drod Mayo was asked about you know JC and it didn't sound like he ruled him out coming back. Obviously, he wasn't going to come back at 14, 13 million dollars, whatever it was. But we mentioned the need for another cornerback outside of you know Christian Gonzalez along the boundary. Do you think there's a path for JC even to come back? Like I know last year they they cut Jalen Mills and then re-signed him on a cheaper deal five, six days later. Do you think that could be something? for JC if they feel like he's kind of back locked in mentally and Gerard mentioned he'll be better on the field a few years after, after that injury that he had in LA. I could see something like that. I, I think they didn't outright restructure him. 
the Jalen Mills thing is weird because they essentially restructured his contract and it's just sort of relayed wrong, like relayed yeah. through the media incorrectly. With JC Jackson, I feel it would be more something where they cut him, they get that money off the books, they go through the bulk of free agency, maybe they even go through the draft and then look at it. You know, and if he signs, he signs, but you look at it again once you get to May, once you get into the spring and you say, All right. Like, where are we at? Do we need another corner? Do we have the flexibility to do this? Where's he at? How's he feeling? And then you go from there. If they really wanted him back, if they wanted him back, if they knew he was going to be part of coming back, I think they would have just restructured his contract. I think they would have just redone it. He was released. I mean, and again, I said it was reported wrong with with Jalen Mills. So we'll see. Maybe this time there's something else like that. But I, I wouldn't rule it out, but I think that's a you know late May, early June thing. I don't think that's something that if he's back, it's not going to be anytime soon. They're going to let the, I, I think with a guy like that, where look, I hope he gets the help he needs. I hope he's, you know, dealing with the mental health stuff, but the reality is you can't count on a guy like that. Get everything else figured out. Whereas he's more of a risk and then figure out if you're in a spot where you need to, or you want to take that risk. Yep. Yep. So those were kind of the, Big Patriots storylines from the week. I don't know any other details or, or reports that stuck out to you that we can hit on briefly here, or we can start talking about some of these prospects. The whole thing about the front office all being on expiring yeah. contracts and being lame ducks is super weird in hiring a GM. I mean, we talked about this when they first did it, so I have nothing new to add. I mean, it was reported again, but look, if they get through the draft and add essentially another Alfonso Highsmith, right? Just another veteran personnel guy who's in the building as a resource. It's well, it probably would have been nice to have him when you're making all the big decisions, but okay, whatever. It doesn't, you know, fine. You added somebody else to the front office. I don't care if they blow it all out and are like, Oh, we hate the off season. You did. We're going to bring in a new group. Why give them the chance? You should have sat down with them and met and said, what is your plan? Because now you've wasted not just an offseason, but an offseason where you are $100 million and a third overall pick. You don't just get that stuff back next year. You can't just one and done all that. So that makes me nervous. Now, some of it may just be they're going to give Elliot Wolf the official GM tag and say that's the – fine. What I don't care. I've, I've said this. As long as everybody in the building knows the titles – or knows the responsibilities. I don't care what they want to call which, him. I really don't. Which sounds like they do because they've all reiterated that he has final say. Right. So. But if you're going to blow the whole front office out after one off season without even seeing the team they put together play a game, and it, Wolf's talking about a multi-year process, the way he's addressed everything. And Mayo kind of has too. Doubt bug the crap out of me. I, that's just, you're wasting all of our time if you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I would kind of be surprised if it's, not wolf still in charge right maybe that comes with the gm title but i i mean you're letting him kind of run this ship he, like he's bringing in his own guys and like alonzo highsmith obviously ton of ties to the coaching coaching staff but uh yeah that that would be kind of just a weird dynamic if they bring someone in over him but maybe it's some of those you know lower level guys like matt grow or, or some of those you know pro area scouts who, whose contracts are up but uh, that's something to watch, you know, maybe after the draft, see how that that kind of develops. But uh, let's take one very quick break. We'll hear from our new friends over at Prize Picks, and then we can get into some of these on the field workouts from Indianapolis. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. Whether it's a tournament season or the fight for a playoff home court, there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app, where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. 
Testing my skills on prize picks this season is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $1,000 with just a few taps. Prize picks is really simple to play, and I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. Download the app today and use code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. Use the code CLNS for the first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All right, so over to on the field, uh, we hit on most of the you know big three quarterbacks, and they obviously uh, unfortunately didn't throw on the field, so not much to break down there. But uh, the big thing, I think, from that position just quickly was Michael Penix. Seems like he got the okay on his medicals, which you know that was the big question with two torn yeah. ACLs, two season-ending uh, shoulder injuries. So it seems like uh, he's kind of in the clear on the medical side, which is a good thing for him. Yeah, that I mean, he he won the combine from a quarterback point of view before he stepped on the field, and he threw the ball fine. I, I don't think he was bad. I don't think he was over the top great. You know, you you saw what you kind of thought you were going to see from Michael Penix. Put good zip on the ball. He was hitting the out routes very well. He wasn't. His biggest question is throwing against pressure. He wasn't going to be able to answer that. There's no pressure at the combine, but the the clearing of the medicals is is the big thing, and he checked that box, and that's what's important. Anything from. JJ McCarthy, like I'm, yeah. I'm trying. What the I want, hell was that? I want to like JJ McCarthy, and you know it was great Why? that he he weighed in at 219. But I don't, once he gets the football in his hands, I'm just like, I I can't get into him. Like there was that whole you know stuff. There was a lot on Twitter over the week that I think like Nate Tice from the Athletic was really pushing that like he can't throw left. And when you look at his stats, they all tank going left. And then he comes out at the combine and he's sailing all these throws on air to the left so i don't know it's kind of what you saw watching him on film more of the combine but i don't know with jj mccarthy look i i was i thought i was losing my mind all week i'm hearing that jj not just he's a first round pick not just that he's qb4 but he might go top three now some yeah. teams might have him over May and Daniels. And I'm here when he throws at the combine, you'll all understand where the hype comes from. The league can't wait to see him at the combine. I, you know, just wait till you see him throw, just wait till you see him on the field throwing. It's all I'm hearing. I I'm expecting like the way they're talking about it. He was going to make grown men weep. They were going to make a, he was going to throw the ball so well at the combine that they're going to make a docu-series about it. It was going to put Quinn Nordine's, 10 for 10 at the in-stadium practice in 2022 to shame. That's the way they were talking about J.J. McCarthy throwing the football. And then he comes out, and he was fine. He was fine. He had some good zip on the ball. I, I thought, he, he, like you said, he missed some throws. He sailed some throws. He was okay. He was exactly the guy we've seen on the field. He's a project player. He needs to tighten, this thing, tighten things up. And then I got to I get Eisen. I, I, he's a Michigan guy. Fine, whatever. But Jeremiah... And Schrager, oh my, did you see J.J. McCarthy? He was excellent. Are you, we're being gaslit. Are you just telling us this to back up what you heard? Who is pushing this J.J. McCarthy agenda? Shout out to Charles Davis. He was like, yeah, he was okay. Charles Davis is excellent all week. Yeah. All week has been spot on everything. The the Jaden Daniels QB1 stuff, the J.J. McCarthy stuff, he's been great. But I, like, I'm sitting there like, what are, I went back and watched it again. I was like, what are they raving about? What is there in the, and first of all, none of the quarterbacks were like exceptional throwing the ball. Honestly, the best throwing day was Devin Leary. And yeah. he didn't do anything over the top. He was just consistent. We'll get to him in a second. But 
what did you people see? And this isn't tonight. And then I said this and suddenly I hate McCarthy and I don't think he's straight. No, he's fine. He's a day two pick. He's a project player. That's what he is. That's what he threw the ball like yesterday. I Why everything he has to do, he does has to be perfect. Do you know who he's reminding? You know who he's starting to remind me of? Do you know who his fucking hype train comp is for me? It's Josh Allen because he does nothing. Oh my God. Oh, did you see what he did? The NFL is tweeting out clips of him throwing incompletions. Because the what fans were yelling. <laughs> they're yelling because they think they're going to get hit. <laughs> they're in the splash zone. It's 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 Allen Mahomes level. He does nothing. And we're we're on our knees for him. It's, I, I don't get it. It's annoying to crack. And maybe he ends up being good. This isn't to say he can't be good. Again, I think he's a, a, a decent, like, project player. I would take him on day two if I'm a team with an established quarterback that has a year or two to sit him. But that doesn't like that doesn't mean I hate him. But to watch what he did yesterday and sit there and say he might go top three, what are we looking at? What are we doing? I, I did did I miss the meeting where we all got together and decided we're going to start evaluating quarterbacks differently? Was I left out of that meeting? What happened? There must have been one with all those NFL Network guys on TV. Clearly, and Clearly. then Charles Charles Davis missed the meeting with you. He must. Have... Charles Davis just has some self respect. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he's just not a very like accurate passer where he's at right now. And as as you said, maybe he sits for a year and gets some of those you know mechanics. Like his lower body can get kind of inconsistent at times. Like he widens his stride, so maybe he sits for a year. Maybe he's behind Aaron Rodgers or he's learning from Kevin O'Connell and Josh McCown in Minnesota for a year and, and he fixes all that stuff. But like to, to sit here and say, like, I'd take that guy, let alone top 10, like at three or two overall, like that would just, that would be crazy for, for me to see. So, um, yeah, that's the, that's the JJ McCarthy rant for you. And I'm going to say it one more time because the, the Michigan fanboys can come at me on Twitter. Why do you hate JJ McCarthy? And they're going to cite that he won a national championship. And they're going to say that, oh, well, he would have thrown more if he was in a different. He's a, a top five quarterback in this draft. He's worth a top 100, maybe even a top 50 pick. I'm not saying he's not. Like, I, it's not that I think the guy's undraftable. I understand where the interest lies, but let's call a spade a spade. When he misses half his out routes during his combine throwing session, you don't need to lie to me and say it was great. Just say, oh, he missed some throws. He's better than that. He's usually better than that. If you want to argue that he's better than what he showed, that's fine. I don't agree with you, but you absolutely have the right to make that argument. But don't sit there and tell me he was great when I know what I saw and he wasn't great. Yep. But let's flip your opinion and let's talk about Joe Milton. Hell yeah. All right. Now, so here's the guy that should really go first overall. <laughs> <laughs> because he was letting that thing fly as we all expected, like 70 air yards on those, on those go routes. And he was doing the thing where he, you know, either snap it and sit there for a second or hit the back of his drop and sit there for a second, kind of get to show off, let those receivers get some, get extra uh, yards down the field. So, uh, that was what you wanted to see out of Joe Milton with that, you know, just rocket arm. And it was awesome to watch. So it's funny, two opposite guys who are both going to get overdrafted. Like I think JJ McCarthy is going to go in the first round. He shouldn't, yeah. but he's JJ McCarthy is going to be a first round, maybe top 15 pick. Some team somewhere saw what Joe Milton did yesterday and thought I can fix him. <laughs> I, that they, they saw, 
you said he waits in the stance after snapping the ball to give the guy a 10 yard head start and still puts in the bread basket shorts in a t-shirt, no live pass rush, no coverage, but some t- he put the ball 75 yards in the air. I saw something that the longest throw in air yards in a game in the last five seasons is 62 yards. So he beat it by more than 10 yards. And it, I, I'm jealous. You got to see it in person. Some team is going to look at him and grab him at the end of the third round and say, we can fix him. Should it be the Patriots? Probably not. I wouldn't. As much as I'd love to get to watch him three times a year in the preseason for the next four years, it'd be like the the Joe Milton preseason mixtape is going to be right up there with like the Tavon, like Tavon Austin level legendary. But I just, so like two minutes before he throws that epic deep ball, they're running quick slants. He put the balls, he puts the ball 15 feet over the receiver's head. So you, (laughs) you, you, you got the, the Joe Milton experience. It was fu- very fun to watch, no, but notice nobody was freaking out that Joe Milton was so great because he wasn't. He did what he does, and it was fun to watch. But I, he's Joe Milton's Joe Milton. Like he he was always going to kill it in shorts and a t shirt. That's just who he is. Yeah, yeah. But some GM's going to see that and just like the last few years of film from Joe Milton is just going to like vanish from his brain and be replaced by those seventy yard bombs, and they're going to be like, right. "That's I want that. I want that, and I can fix that." Um, well, but, it'll yeah. be he'll just it'll just be the YouTube highlight reel. Yeah, literally, it'll just be all the you know sixty yard off the back foot flick of the wrist. Just like if we can just get him to figure out where he's throwing the ball. But he, it would be one thing if honestly there are some similarities between Joe Milton and JJ McCarthy in that if Joe Milton was twenty one, he'd be a much more attractive prospect because you have time to work with him. But he's twenty four. He's almost same. I think he's only like three months younger than Justin Fields. So it's not like you have this guy that you can mold and build. Like he kind of is who he is at this point. And that's the difference. So really, again, really fun to watch, but he's still not. I, I mean, look, for the right team to draft him and to keep him as your third quarterback and you, you try to work with him, maybe you have him as a as a Hail Mary guy or, you know, goal line guy because he's a big guy. He can move a little bit like, I'm not saying there's no value in him being on a roster. I, I do think there is some, but you don't draft Joe Milton and suddenly feel good, feel better about your long-term uh, prospects at quarterback. You're still in the same place you were. You just had you bought a, a lottery ticket. That's yep. all you did. You bought it. You bought a scratcher. Yep. He had the uh, hardest throw on the lasers. Sixty-two. That's miles crazy. An hour. I can't believe that. Um. Did you see who was second? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was JJ McCarthy, but they're throwing from like, I they did you see it? The, the senior bowl they time it differently, and Joe Milt was like ten miles an hour faster than everybody else. That makes so. sense. Yeah, but uh, those were the quarterbacks. Uh, anyone else you had of, of note there? Those were kind of the big guys. Bo Nix was Bo Nix. Yeah, Bo uh, Nix did not have a good day again. Sam Hartman was Sam Hartman. Sam like, Hartman, <laughs> he, he's going to get a, a, a heck of a bag from Head and Shoulders, but he's yeah. going to need it because not an NFL quarterback. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I thought Leary was Leary's an interesting prospect to me because he was getting some buzz as a potential top 50 guy after his, he had a really good 2021 season at NC State, got hurt the next year early, missed most of the year, then came back last year and like wasn't the same. If you're talking about outside the top 100, if you're just th- th- blindly throwing darts, you know, in the sixth or seventh round, Patriots want to double up at quarterback. Even I mean he'll probably go on draft. You could probably get him as UDFA. I, I, I wouldn't hate just just bring him in, bringing Devin Leary in, just getting a closer look at him. I don't know that it would amount to anything. It probably won't, 
but if you're going to, if you want to like double up on days, I'm like when we did our mock, we took Jason Bean, right? And I, I like Jason Bean in this regard too. He wasn't at the combine, but Devin Lear is the kind of guy where I'm like, yeah, I, I'd probably use a seventh to get him in the building and just take a look. I, I, I think he's worth at least that. I not any more than that, but I, 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 I would say that that's a fair, fair assessment. Again, yep. you're not changing your your outlook at quarterback or anything, but it's exactly. all right. This guy showed me something once, and you know he came to the combine and he looked right. And yeah, sure, I'll you know I'll take a closer look. Yep. What about uh, you know, someone asked here, Spencer Rattler seemed, you know, he, yeah, he did people, not have a good day talking to people out there. Like before he worked out, he seemed to be like everyone's favorite day two quarterback in the, that middle kind of range. But like he didn't have a good athletic performance. Uh, he didn't like throw the ball exceptionally well, but I don't know what, where you're thinking Spencer Rattler at, at this point. He didn't have a great day. I still think he maybe sneaks late day two. Now it might be early day three, but I, he's just small, man. He's just really small. And I worry about that. He's not quite as small as Kyler, but there's some of that, you know, is he going to be able to take the hits Baker Mayfield, that sort of thing there, but he's not as talented as either of those guys. Um, and then he, he did not run a good 40. Like he's going to yeah. need to be able to move and he did not test well. So I, I've been kind of lukewarm on Spencer Rattler. I think there's a layout or two in the draft where he can make sense for the Patriots out of, you know, a couple hundred permutations, but I, I, I was hope I was ready for him to have a really good combine and the hype to start going. That's kind of what I thought was going to happen. I was ready to sort of play into that. And then instead it was just kind of a dud. Yep. Yeah, not testing well what was the big one there. Keaton Slovis tested pretty well. Mike's guy. Uh, I Future took him off my board. Slovis. What? Future wide receiver Keaton Slovis. Yeah. I took him off my board. I walked by his podium and someone was asking him about uh, NCAA, the video game, and he yeah. said he runs the air raid offense on that. And I'm like, oh. come on, dude. Like We got we to gotta pound the rock in NCAA and, and run all these. You can't you know, run the fastest rock. 40 of any quarterback at the combine and then not run read options in NCAA. I know, what exactly. So uh, that that's the quarterbacks. Unfortunately, again, the big three didn't throw. We'll see them at their, their pro days uh, later this month. But uh, let's move on to wide receivers because this was kind of the group that stole the combine, I, I'd say, just unbelievable performances all around you're probably looking at seven eight receivers going in the first round now uh, especially after the texas boys ad mitchell and xavier worthy just dominating xavier worthy 421 40 fastest uh, of all time even though you know he weighed in at 165 but you want to see speed if you're you know, 165, and he certainly shows speed. And then AD Mitchell, a 434, he weighed in well, measured well. Like he's someone who we might have been talking about at 34, and I'd be shocked if, if he gets out of the first round uh, at, at this point. It, so it's going to be interesting because there's, I, I, I talk about this every year, and I think last year I did it in reverse where a player being a first round talent and a player being a first round projection are two different things. There are, First round talents that don't go in the first round, and there are players picked in the first round who aren't first round talents. Like I thought last year, uh, like Quentin Johnson, like some of those receivers were probably not not receivers. What position did I do this with last year? Some position where I did it with last, where like it was a really thin year at the position. It was like these guys. Oh no, it was second round. It was second round. Like some of the receivers that went in the second round last year 
were not day two talents, but because the draft was so thin, you had to, um, guys just had to go earlier, right? Whereas this year, it's the opposite. You have guys that are are certainly first-round talents, the Texas guys. Um, Lad McConkey might even get in there. But only so many teams are going to take a receiver in the first round. There's only so many teams that need a receiver that somebody's going to fall. I, I think your first-round locks right now are Harrison, Neighbors, Adunze, Thomas, and Mitchell. I think those five are first-round locks, and then it becomes basically Coleman, Worthy, and McConkey and uh, maybe Troy Franklin or the others. The only reason I don't put Worthy as a first-round lock, I do think teams are going to be scared of his size. 165 pounds in the NFL is tough. Now, yeah. the the Devontae uh, Smith comps are going to flow. You're going to hear a lot of those. You're going to hear some Deshaun Jackson comps, which are fair, but the track record of guys playing at a high level and lasting in the NFL at that size are slim. Now, some team may not care and say he ran a, ran a 4-2-1 and maybe he sneaks into the end of the first round. But I think you're looking at five for sure in the first round and, and as many as eight. I, I mean, that group tested, most of that group tested well. I didn't think Coleman tested particularly well. I know he got up there on the tracking speed. I, the gauntlet to me is always a great tell. Yeah. And I didn't think he had a good gauntlet. And Troy Franklin, if Troy Franklin falls on his ass one more time, he's going to get drafted by the Bruins. Like, <laughs> dude just couldn't stay on his feet. He couldn't, he, he couldn't keep his feet under him. And yeah, he's the Taekwon Thornton comps are there for a reason. And it kind of looked like it uh, yesterday. Yeah. I, I mean, we were talking before we got on, it felt like a lot of prospects helped their cause and there were rarely any that kind of hurt their cause. But, you know, Tro Troy Franklin, I think was one of those, you know, few that maybe didn't help his cause uh, uh, throughout, throughout his showing uh, yesterday. Didn't, didn't run particularly well. Didn't you know? Wasn't very good in the in the the gauntlet. But uh, Coleman was interesting because you know he ran what a four six, but then he's hitting 19, 20 miles an hour game speed. So you got the whole test speed versus game speed kind of combination there. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how how people kind of uh, evaluate that with him going forward. But um, elsewhere, you know, you mentioned Lad McConkey. He had the the Garrett Wilson measurements getting thrown around yesterday he he's just i love lad mcconkey he, he's just awesome we'll see with his size because he dealt with injuries at, at georgia he's on the smaller side we'll see how that kind of translate translates to uh the nfl and then you know kind of a similar body type you know roman wilson ran a 439 just another really good route runner so those two guys uh i think you saw what you need to see from from both of those guys from an athletic standpoint yeah i, th I think a lot of guys really kind of took care of what they needed to take care of in yeah. that Again, we've talked about that kind of 30 to 80 range. Uh, Tez Walker, Roman Wilson, Lad McConkey, I, I thought all did really well. Xavier Leggett tested well, didn't love him in the drill, didn't love him in the drills. Ricky Pierce saw kind of the same thing. Um, I, I th but I think a lot of that group certainly helped them. So I Tez Walker really had it the day. He, he needed, needed to have because yeah. he had that rough senior bowl and he came out. He, he I ran a four three six. I thought he had one of the best gauntlets of any of the receivers yesterday. I mean, Lad McConkey and Roma Dunes, they set the bar and that, I mean, that's drills made for guys like that. That's, that's going to stack up. But Tez Walker was up there in that regard. Uh, I thought he was good in the other, in the other field drills as well. So he, 
if you're somebody who wrote Tez Walker off after the senior bowl, because I, I know a lot of people did and I get it. That was maybe their first exposure to him. I think you got to take a second look and, and it's not often you do that with the combine. We talk a lot about the combine confirming priors rather than really providing new information. But during, in terms of what's on tape from during the season, Tez Walker looks a lot more like the player he was at the combine than the player he was at senior bowl. So call it a tiebreaker, but I, I, he's still not, you know, there's still other guys I take over him. I'm not saying I'm moving him to the top of my board, but some people are like, Oh, I wouldn't even take him like top 100. Like, no, nah, I can reconsider that. Especially if the Patriots end up taking Drake May. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Drew brought up Ricky Pearsall. I, I love Ricky Pearsall and he ran, you know, a four, four, one. I think he had the second fastest, uh, three cone of anyone at, at the combine. So he really, you know, dominated, the athletic testing. Uh, I don't know about wide receiver one, as Drew said, but I think he's an awesome option on that day two range. He said he met informally with the Patriots at the senior bowl. Uh, he also compared, you know, he said he watches a lot of Amari Cooper and, you know, he doesn't size wise. He's not Amari Cooper, but Amari Cooper is obviously someone who had a lot of success with Alex Van Pelt out there in Cleveland. So I'm a big Ricky Pearsall fan. I'd love him on, on day two, but uh, I know you have a day three receiver who is skyrocketing up your board and, and Mr. Bub means that you'd love to talk about uh, from Pitt has a connection with Tyquan Underwood, the new Patriots assistant wide receivers coach. So he was very impressive uh, yesterday. Maybe someone we should be familiar with uh, for kind of a later round or maybe middle of the draft at this point uh, at, at the wide receiver position. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know that Bub Means is a guy you're taking in the top 100 or a guy you're, you know, answering our question, but if they double up at receiver, look, he was at Louisiana, he started at Tennessee, didn't play there, transferred to Louisiana Tech, played well, then went to Pitt, and, and Pitt's offense last year was brutal. It was really bad, and, and it, it, I mean, they didn't have a quarter. Their starting quarterback at the beginning of the year, halfway through the season, moved to tight end. Like, that's how bad it was. They didn't really have anybody else. So there weren't a ton of chances for him to show what he can do. But you look at what he did at Louisiana Tech. You look at the measurables. You look at the testing. I thought he did really well on the field yesterday. He's somebody I'd, I'd take on day three and see if you can develop him. Um, yeah, I, I mean, good solid play. When you look at, I think we talked about this last week, I, I kind of charted out all the receivers that Elliot Wolf took with the Packers. And averaged out right what's the average height what's the average weight what's the average 40 what's the average this and that and bub means just goes through checking like all of those if he doesn't check the box his numbers are actually better so definitely like a day three second receiver they take target kind of guy but somebody i i would be very surprised if bub means is not at least on their board and before the combine he was projected to go late day three probably not undrafted but like it was a possibility he's getting drafted now for sure and maybe he moves up to the middle of day three. Yep. Yeah. So that was the kind of receiver class. Again, just an awesome dominating performance from all those guys. Tons of talent at the position. You could see six, seven, maybe even eight, depending on, you know, how the board kind of shakes out in the first round and good news for the Patriots. Cause they'll probably, you know, if they don't go Marvin Harrison at one or maybe trade back to that Roma Dunes, Malik neighbors are probably going to be looking to add a pass catcher on day two. And then maybe even another uh, on day three. So we can stay on offense. We can talk about some running backs, talk about some tight ends a little bit. Um, 
running backs. I mean, how do you, how do you say the the Louisville backs last name? Isaac is it? Gor- oh, Gorandino, Gorando. Uh, Isn't it like Gorendo or something? Gorendo, I think he was absolutely like dominated the test. He's 220 pounds, but he ran a 43340, uh had some elite, you know, explosiveness scores. He's like a kind of a day 3 pick, but maybe that pushes him higher. Uh Dylan Labe didn't you know dominate the athletic scores, but you you could see on the drills, right? Like where he shines as a pass catcher. But um, you know, any thoughts on those two or any of the other kind of running backs that that we saw? Yeah, I mean, Guarendo was awesome, and and I, I'll be honest, like I wasn't super familiar with him, but yeah. that's that's the back that fits the Alex Van Pelt offense—a a, a big, explosive running back, a guy who's up there in you know the high two tens, low two twenties. That I mean, four three is excessive. I mean, just, just a guy that can get going, but he's a guy that's going to pull away. Uh, I thought he was really good. I thought uh, Jalen Wright. Tennessee was impressive. If the Patriots want to go running back early on day three, he's my guy. Uh, Tyrone Tracy from Purdue also kind of stood out to me a little bit, converted wide receiver. He He's an interesting player who I wasn't super familiar with. So watching him was fine. I think a lot for a lot of the running backs, it was chalk. Again, Gorendo kind of came out of nowhere. But besides that, I think mostly what you saw from guys is, is who they are. Bucky Irving didn't test super well. He'd be the only one that kind of went in the other direction, but Maybe he's now more realistic for the Patriots. I think he's probably going to be a late day two guy. Maybe he goes to early day three. I, I, him and Jalen Wright to me are close enough that the combine might be the tiebreaker for me. If I'm sitting there and they're both on the board, I really might go Jalen Wright. Uh, but yeah. Yep. Uh, what you think of Estime from Notre Dame? He ran like a four seven, I think. He was kind of slow, which you didn't really see. Like uh, uh, watching him on, on you know tape, it seems like he's running away from guys. So I don't know. That was kind of a surprising score for me. But maybe someone who went in the opposite direction with a low forty time there. Yeah, I uh, no, I that didn't. I mean, four set four seven's a bit high, but I thought he was going to be like a high four five, slow four six guy. Like he's not that fast. He just had a ton of his Joe Alt. I mean, he had a ton of wide open holes that he could just get. He didn't have change direction, Tony. He get going and go. No, he's a, he's a pure bowling ball. He's a pure goal line back. There's nothing wrong with that. He's probably being projected a little higher than that skill set uh, should be. But I, I mean, I wasn't expecting him to come out and, and be a burner or anything. Yep. Uh, tight ends. It was a really good day for some of those kind of later, you know, middle of the draft tight ends. We talk about this class a lot. It's it's Brock Bowers at the top, Jatavian Sanders kind of behind him, you know, in round two. And then you have kind of a gap and there's a cluster of guys like Theo Johnson, Cade Stover, Ben Sinnott, and, and a lot of those guys. I mean, Hang Theo on, Johnson, before we move on, I forgot about this uh, from the receivers. Johnny Wilson oh, yeah. tested well. Johnny Wilson, yeah. for the player we think he has tested very well. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, continue. So he can probably stay at wide receiver now and not move yes. tight end, or, or at least start yeah. at wide receiver. For now, yeah. See, yeah, see what you have there. But yeah, those middle round tight ends, you know, Theo Johnson, who doesn't get a lot of action at Penn State as a, as a pass catching tight end, but you saw some some good signs at the Senior Bowl, you know, running routes, and then he comes out and he scores a ten out of ten relative athletic score. Uh, ben Sinnott from Kansas State, who was someone you know we were all you know watching again at the Senior Bowl, posted like a, a, a nine five, uh, had a good you know forty inch vertical, and, and someone who can move around the offense. So I thought some of those you know that third group, third tier uh, of tight ends had had some really impressive performances there. 
Yeah, the, the, I, I thought the tight ends as a whole showed up really well. And and for it's been called a down year for tight ends. I thought they did their part to kind of sway that. Jatavian Sanders, ironically, was the one guy that was maybe a little low, but I know what I see on the tape. I know how explosive he is. I, I'm not going to read a ton. Like, I'll admit he had a down mm. combine. I'm not going to read a ton. I know what I think he's a guy who will play better than he tested. Everybody else, especially the Big Ten guys, I mean, Cage Stover was really good. Theo Johnson was probably the best tight end. I need to do, you know, I, I'm a lot higher on him coming away from this. I just didn't know he had that kind of athletic ability. Uh, and then uh, Tip Ryman, too, yeah. running a 4.65 at 270 pounds. He, he looked a little lost in the receiving drills at times, and I don't think he's going to come out and be your tight end one, but a guy like that on day three who can be your – you know, you're blocking tight end, but isn't a total liability in the open field. Very interesting player. So I thought the tight ends had a had a good day. Yep. So that's, I mean, we mentioned it a lot. That's a position that's kind of big in this Alex Van Pelt offense. And it's going to be something that they have to obviously add to with all their guys being, being free agents. So if they can't find their way to get, you know, Jatavion Sanders in that, that second round, you're probably looking at one of these, one of these guys kind of, you know, that, that third group of guys. So it was good to see them ha have some good performances, but uh, we can wrap up offense with the offensive tackles. They're about to start testing within the hour. So, but we did get some, some measurements, which is obviously the big thing uh, with them. Uh, I think it was Jordan Morgan kind of confirmed what we saw at the senior bowl with his arms coming in under, but we got, under that 33 inch mark, which again is kind of the unofficial standard to stay out at, at offensive tackle, but they got some good news for like Troy Fotnu. His arms came in, uh, let's pull up the numbers at 34 and a half. So there have been concerns about him maybe being a, a guard. He's someone who can stay out. And, and Talise Fugaga was over 33 as well. So some good news for those guys in, in the measurement section. Yeah, everybody but Jordan Morgan checked the box. And, I mean, Amarius Mims is freaking huge. There's some big – and I did, are Patrick Paul's measurements out yet, or is he not there? I haven't seen measurements. I haven't seen from him or uh, Suamatia, the BYU kid. Yeah. I want to see Paul because he's massive, oh, he, but it seems He like came out seven seven minutes ago, P Patrick Paul, 6'7 and 4 ace, oh. 36 and 2 five arms. <laughs> 331 pounds. That Big is a guy. 86 and a quarter wingspan. <laughs> Let's go. You know what? Just here, here's what you do. You you trade down. You draft Demarius Mims. You trade back up. You draft Patrick Paul. You use, because they're both so big. You use three offensive linemen. You'll put one guy on each side of David Andrews. They can cover enough ground. You send seven guys out in the pattern. And when Goodell tells you you can't, you call him a nerd. <laughs> that's what you do. I think that may be the answer. No. Um, yeah, th this tackle, th it's not as deep as the wide receiver class. The wide receiver class goes, you know, into maybe even just beyond the top 100 in terms of guys that are like legitimate potential within the first two year starters. The tackle class doesn't run that deep. I think it only runs through about pick 50. But when you look at the guys that are there, Again, it goes to the thing where there are going to be guys who are first-round talents who don't go in the first round simply because the draft's so top-heavy. Guys like Patrick Paul. I mean, Fatano will probably be a first-round pick now, I would think, uh, now that his arms are checked out. But it, the the 
size athleticism combination of like, sometimes you have big tackles. Sometimes you have athletic tackles, the number of big athletic tackles in this class is outstanding. So that's good news for the Patriots. They should be in position to take one at some point uh, in the top 50. We'll see who it ends up being, but you know, we're going to find out a lot today. I think about these guys and, and who the best options. Cause the thing is when, when you're tall, a lot of them are tall. Can you, do you have the bend? Can you get low in your stance and, and not give up leverage? Like that's Joe Alt's bend is going to be a big talking point today because six, nine, and can he still get down when, you know, six foot one pass rushers trying to go under him. So that's, that's definitely something to watch for today with some of these bigger tackles. <clears throat> yep. So they'll work out again later. I didn't see Kingsley's measurements. So either that's still to come or he's, he's not doing it. One other guy I'll throw out. Are was, they doing uh, two groups? Are they doing two groups lining? They might be that that would make sense if that's why some of these are coming in they got they got to pick later. this thing up they gotta I, I i will say that it didn't need to be nine hours yesterday that was did, an insanely long <laughs> did not need to be nine hours if it's going to be nine hours it doesn't need to start at one o'clock like yeah I, and don't give me I, I i'm the guy of all the people that you would think is enjoy watching this i i can only do so much shorts and t-shirt i can only do so much of it pick the thing up let's get it going let's get yeah. it moving yeah, the not, the one to nine yesterday was a little, little obsessive, but a little much. Uh, last offensive lineman name I'll just throw out there. Uh, someone we mentioned in our, our preview was Dominic Pooney from Kansas. You know, he's a guy who kind of can play all over the line, but his arms actually checked in over the thirty-three inch mark. So if someone wants to, you know, take him as a tackle and views him as a tackle, seems like from the measurement standpoint that that he could kind of stay out there. But he's a day two option with with tons of versatility. Uh, along the line so maybe someone that interests uh the, the patriots there we can uh then jump over to the defense uh big day for kind of some of the edge rushers and, and interior defensive linemen we can actually start with a, a question here which talking about these edge guys something's gonna have to have to have to happen with matthew judon with his contract uh having no guaranteed money on, on it so could they move back into the second for Judon? I think our comp was that Khalil Mack trade where they got a second and a future future day three pick, I think. So maybe late late second, early third, I think is the spot if you are looking to kind of move on from Judon there. Yeah, I, I think so. We Like you said, we've talked about it with Khalil Mack. I, I don't think they're going to move him ultimately. I know we had talked about that. I think he's going to end up getting a new contract. They have $100 million in cap space, but that would be the range if you were to make that trade. Yep. So if they do, and they're looking at some of these edge guys, uh, I mean, Chop Robinson just dominated the the athletic test saying, I don't know what's in the water down there at Penn State, but all those guys. All right, I'll say this. <laughs> Having Dallas Turner and Chop, and this is a takeaway. Like 4-4 four, four at that size is impressive. But you can't have Dallas Turner and Chop Robinson run with defensive ends. That's yeah. just not fair. That's not what they are. They run a four four, and the next closest guy's like a four six. It's like, yeah, no duh. Go, go have Xavier Worthy run with the defensive tackles. It's going to look very impressive. But um, no, those two guys. Those two guys. I, I've seen some people say like Chop Robinson could slip early in the second. I how how why I, I don't see how that happens. Yep. Uh, so they were impressive. Uh, more of those interior guys. I mean, Braden Fist from Florida State stole the show, and that was 
someone whose stock was already kind of rising from the senior ball, right? The big word with him after that week yeah. was explosive. And then he comes out and, and kind of confirms those priors uh, and dominates the athletic testing. Uh, the, the Texas guys got a lot of attention. I mean, watching Byron Murphy go through those drills, like he is just a smooth mover, but uh, wasn't, I'd say, a great athletic showing from Tavondre Sweat. And I get he's like 360 pounds, but you know, when you're not moving that well, it looks like he might be limited to kind of a, a first and second down player, probably someone who might come off the field uh, on third down there. So that was kind of what those Texas guys showed. Anyone else uh, from up front, from that up front unit, that, that kind of caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, you, you pretty much hit on it. I thought Dwayne Carter was decent, you know, day three defensive tackle. He had a good vertical, showed some explosiveness, but – the whole the defense as a whole for me and Brian like absolutely feel free to disagree with me on this. I felt like the defense was chalk. I and when I it wasn't impressive. And when I say it wasn't impressive, I don't mean that guys weren't good. I mean the guys that you thought were going to test well tested well. The guys you thought that weren't weren't. It, there wasn't that much there that made you recalculate. It was all pretty much along the lines of what what you thought was going to happen. Yep, I'd agree with that. So, uh, just any you know we can just hit the back, you know, kind of linebackers, safeties, corners, anyone in particular that, you know, you said it was kind of chalk and I'll agree with that, but anyone that, you know, you wanted to see a score and they hit it or, you know, something that, that kind of impressed you from any of those other defensive spots. Well, if the Patriots are hoping to grab a corner early on day three, this was not a great combine for them. Cause a lot of those guys, Max Melton, Jarvis Brownlee, they did their part to move up the board. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Simpson tested well too. Uh, there's some good, uh, Dar your guy, Demerson from Texas tech. I thought had a yeah. good day. If the Patriots need it, need a free safety, but mainly, I mean, the corner, the corners were, if there was a wow guy, I guess I'm thinking in terms of the Patriots, like Quinion Mitchell's not going to be Patriot, but four, three, three at 200 pounds, 22 on the bench, dude, just absolute dude. So that was impressive, but you saw some of those fringe top 100 guys. Max Melton's the big one that comes to mind. Um, push their stock up to where they're they're probably going to be day two picks, not day three. Yeah, like Demerson was one uh, hoping like he could be like an early day three kind of that free safety, but now you see mocks where he was he worked himself uh, into day two. Cam Hart at, at corner from Notre Dame was a guy who had a good good senior bowl. You know, he's really one of those bigger corners that, that's going to play on the boundary. And he was running like a four or five. So he, he could kind of uh, move himself up. And then Mike Sanders still from Michigan, you know, I think everyone kind of sees him and, and thought Patriot. He, he had a really good day, but kind of probably established himself as the best nickel uh, in this class. So he should be a day two pick. And at that point, are you saying, you know, can the Patriots use a, a day two pick on kind of a nickel, nickel defensive right. back there? Probably not. So he probably worked his way. Uh, out of the Patriots range there, but um, yeah. Any last guys defensively, anyone we miss? Well, we got another preview team? today, Brian. We got the kickers, punters, and long snappers. Oh yeah. Aren't they today? Yeah. They're, I don't know what time they are today, but they are going today. They're out there. So uh, I know the Patriots special teams coaches were out there to, uh, to watch, but, I don't know. They they have their punter. I don't think they'll take a punter. I'm still don't expect them to draft a kicker. Maybe add, add a veteran at some point. But uh, I think Will Richard is is the top kicker, obviously, to watch. But 
uh, anyone else? Or no, specialists? yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's not. Like, it, it, I I just don't see how they draft any of the three, any of the three special teams. Maybe like maybe if they really like one of these kickers as a UDFA, and he kind of slips if like a Harrison Mevis ends up going undrafted, uh, he could make some sense for them. But I I mean I think he'll get drafted. I I, yeah. I think it's gonna be three kickers in camp. I think it's gonna be a rookie, UDFA, uh, Ryland, and then a veteran. So I, I think they'll add, but I, they're not going to use a draft pick on a guy. And it, UDFA kicker, maybe somebody who's not at the combine. Like, that's very possible. Yep. I actually don't know if Mevis is at the combine. Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I only saw something about Richard because, you know, he's the, the the top kicker available. So I, yeah. I didn't know who else, who no, else Mevis was there. No, Mevis is there. Mevis is there. Okay. Okay. It's, uh, oh, actually, we do get to see Tori Taylor punt today. So that is a good that's- thing. That is they a, that is very noteworthy. Tory Taylor punt next to Joe Milton throwing. See what can go farther, right? Or, <laughs> while while Xavier Worthy runs a forty, right? To Xavier see if Worthy can... runs a forty to see if he can catch up to either one of them. <laughs> uh, that that would be that's what the combine should be right there. Yes, but um, yeah, I, I think maybe maybe Joe Milton next year. Did you see who was throwing to the receivers? Uh, in Trace the tight McSorley, ends? Trace McSorley, and uh, Callan Mond. So we were in the stadium, me and Taylor, on uh, it was Thursday while the defensive linemen were testing. And Taylor's like, is that Trace McSorley walking around? And we we're like, I think, but like, why would he be here? Then, you know, he was obviously throwing to yeah. those guys. And then, you know, like, can we get a, a, you know, and then Taylor's like, I feel bad for the receivers that they have to, you know, catch <laughs> passes from Trace McSorley after what we saw, you know, him hurting people in training camp with some hospital balls. But, uh, yeah, right. good for him. Him and Kellen Mond. Yeah. So maybe that'll, who knows? Maybe that'll be Joe Milton in a couple yeah. of years. A couple of years throwing to those guys. But uh, I think that that's it. That's all the positions, unless any other Patriots news we missed or I think any we're other. We're all caught up. We'll be back yeah. tomorrow. So we'll, we'll we'll catch up tomorrow on all that. But maybe a little more on the, on the offensive lineman testing and yeah we'll react to that and i'm sure we'll, we'll get see. some free agency stuff tomorrow we'll see how these kickers shake out but yeah that'll do it from us we will wrap it up here again be back tomorrow to talk whatever happens in the next 24 hours because you know something will probably happen uh, at this point of the year but make sure in the meantime you follow alex on twitter at real alex barth head over to 985 to read all his combine and patriots coverage you can follow me on Twitter at I am Brian Hines. Head over to pathpulpit.com to read all my work over there as well. Thank you all, as always, for tuning in. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Bye.